Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. designed to help you fall asleep. On Snoozecast, we read excerpts from public domain works and, occasionally, original stories. Listen to us on snoozecast.com, like our Facebook page, and follow us on Spotify and Instagram. We'd like to thank our listeners. If you enjoy our show, please write us a review on the Apple Podcasts app, or wherever you listen. Also, share it with a friend. This episode is supported by Couch Time. Tonight, we'll be reading Luck on the Wing by Major Elmer Hazlitt. This 1920s book offers a first-hand account of combat in the air by an American observer or sky spy. The Great War, otherwise known as World War I, was the first conflict where combat took to the skies in machines that provided powered and maneuverable flight. This was a risky profession, where brave young men flew into battle in machines made of fabric and wood. The author was regarded as one of the finest practitioners of his craft. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Beginner's luck. We had been up with the French squadron for about three weeks and it had rained every day or something else had happened to prevent flying. We had a wonderful social time, but our flying had been so postponed that I actually began to think that the French did not want us to fly, probably lacking confidence in our ability. So one day, I walked up to the captain 
and by means of his imperfect English and my perfectly inelegant French, we managed to perfect some close, cordial, and personal liaison. I told him that we appreciated the long, drawn-out dinners and the very excellent quality and quantity of the red wine and the white wine, but that actually we came up to take our first trips over the line and learn a little about observation. He shrugged his shoulders and said that he felt quite sure that we would be there for three or four months and that there was absolutely no hurry. I told him he did not know the American army, for while I would admit that we had not shown much speed up to the present time in getting squadrons on the front or in the manufacture of our 10,000 airplanes a month or our 5,000 Liberty motors, at the same time, somewhere, someplace, somehow, someday, we were going to make a start and that I was quite positive that we were not going to have any observers unless the French got busy and trained some for us, and that, in my mind, we would be leaving mighty soon. And it might look sort of suspicious on paper if we had been with the squadron a month and had never taken a trip over the lines. This sort of impressed the captain and dear old fellow that he was, he immediately ordered one Lieutenant Dillard, who was his operations officer, to arrange for me to accompany the next mission over the lines as a protection. This was scheduled for the next day. A French lieutenant by the name of Jones was to do an adjustment of a battery of 155s and I was to accompany him in another plane to protect him from any attack by German airplanes. That night, we played bridge until midnight, whereupon we all shook hands, as is the French custom, and departed for our various belays. My bridge had been rotten. My mind was on a different kind of bridge. How was I to bridge that next day? What did it hold? The night was chilly as the devil and as I picked my way in the darkness, I could hear very plainly the rumble of guns and could see the artillery flashes very clearly. Although the front was 20 kilometers away, I began to think about my first trip over the lines that was soon to come. I was mentally lower than a snake. I hadn't prayed for some time, and I was just wondering whether or not I would pray that night. My solemn idea of prayer was that it was an emergency measure. I was always reverently thankful to the Maker for his blessings, but he knew that for he must have known my...